0: Focus. Focus. The tide is coming in.
1: But we've just begun our picnic.
0: We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide
1: waits. For no man. All right. Welcome to processing college football the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain this is our fifth episode week five preview week four review i'm your host jason Randaza from surprisingly hot new york city and with me as always my co-host mark catlin mark my friend
0: how are you I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm uh, I'm on
1: the road here in North Carolina, and uh, it's good to take a little bit of a break from the work I'm doing out here and talk
0: a little college football.
1: I agree. So if you want to talk a little college football, if you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, send them in. There's a few ways to do that. You can tweet at us at ProcessingCFB or email us at ProcessingCollegeFootball at gmail.com. And as always, don't forget to listen at the very end for this week's special offer. Mark, how's your week been? It's been good. You know, mainly being away from the family and working. I try to work as much as
0: possible. And so it's just been almost like an 8 a.m. to about 11 p.m. grind. Mm-hmm. So it's like I said, it's good to good to take a little bit, bit of a break and talk a little college football.
1: Yeah. So speaking of college football, did you get to enjoy much of the games over this last weekend?
0: Uh, a little bit. Uh, I got to see a little bit, but but not too much. Did um, you
1: Did you see me at game day?
0: Yeah. I mean, they had a camera on you the whole time. Yeah. Right? No.
1: Well, clearly, I yeah. mean, I, so I, can... I host. I host a top ten college football podcast. Of course, they do. They they really wanted my commentary, but I was like, no, 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 come on. Let Lee Corso have some of the glory for once. And guys, listen to the podcast. Okay, yeah, right, that's right. <laughs> you want my hot takes? Listen to the podcast. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, I, I went to college football game day. I went there after my dentist appointment, so I got there for like the last half hour. I know some like people had opinions about it being in New York City, but I think it was great. They justified it ahead of time by saying that there are these you know huge pockets of big fan bases who go out on Saturdays in New York City across the city, and they load into bars affiliated with their school, and it's really true, I mean, I talked about it in our very first episode, so um, I'm actually really glad that they recognized that and they, they hosted it here anyway, so I was there and it was really packed, and I was way at the back, but there were people from so many different schools uh, That's what surprised me a little I didn't see like just a huge swath of Ohio State fans Which is kind of what I expected Or Michigan fans But there were like Pitt fans, Iowa fans, Florida fans, South Carolina fans Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Cal, Tennessee I-, I posted a couple pics on Twitter So uh, listeners out there, go and get an eye full uh, And then there was me, who was there repping Georgetown uh, The wife's team Hoya Saxa. Um, <laughs> so they played Columbia, which I am saying is the college football game day game that they were there for, the, the Georgia exactly, Columbia yeah. game. Right there. So they, they lost, but they did put up 14 points, and their basketball team isn't currently being eyed to get shut down by the NCAA because of corruption charges like some other schools. So, so I think they actually had an okay week. But anyway, so uh, that was game day. No, it is pretty cool that they were in uh, New York City,
0: as we've talked about before, the epicenter of college football. Um, And so it should become at least uh, an annual thing, if not two or three times a year game day in New York. So, uh, I mean, the only thing I need to correct you on is it's uh, the Ohio State. (laughs) So, yeah. I know.
1: I, I'll, I'll be seeing that
0: all over I know, I know. I know we have a lot of the Ohio State University fans out there, so I just didn't want to, yeah. you know... Didn't want to offend them. Ruffle any feathers.
1: Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we have a couple things to process, and we actually have a first here on Processing College Football. We have a listener request. So the listener request was illegal formation what is an illegal formation?
0: It's a really good question. And I mean, it can get kind of detailed when you get into the rule book, but essentially if I were to break it down, it's just about how many players do you have on the line of scrimmage when the ball is snapped. And uh, essentially like when you see an illegal formation called, what has happened is usually uh, a wide receiver is supposed to be on the line of scrimmage, but they're not. And they're off or an offensive lineman is lined up a little too far in the backfield and they're not considered on the line of scrimmage. And so what you need is you need uh, at least seven guys on the line of scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And so you can have four people in the backfield, which includes – uh, your quarterback, running back, and wide receivers. And so whenever you see a, an illegal formation called, it's they don't have enough players on the line of scrimmage is usually like 99% of the time is what they're referring to. That's probably the easiest way to understand it.
1: Okay, so my question then is, wh- what is the benefit if that wide receiver, like w- what are they trying to prevent here by making this rule? What are they worried about if the wide receiver is not on the line of scrimmage?
0: Yeah, so it's that's a really good question. And, and I, I think what it is, is that it's for the defense to be able to know and this actually relates to another thing we're about to talk about, but it's for the defense to be able to know who is an eligible receiver. Hmm. In other words, so you have the linemen on the line of scrimmage, so you're gonna have the center, the two guards and the and tackles, which will usually it'll give you five people And then you need wide receivers on the line of scrimmage. Because if you could just line up anywhere, you wouldn't know who's eligible and who is not. And the defense wouldn't really know who to cover. And so it's to provide some sense of order to
1: the formation so that there's not just utter chaos when the play starts. Okay. I mean, I have a lot of questions about this, frankly, because I've seen some weird formations. I, I think Michigan last year just lined all their people up in a line <clears throat> perpendicular to the the line of scrimmage, which to me seems yep. like it should be illegal, but for whatever reason, I guess it wasn't. I I actually don't know enough about that play to really comment on it. I, they could have even been playing defense, although that seems really stupid. No,
0: <laughs> no I, think, I think they did that. I'd I have to go back and look at the play. I think they it may have started that way and then broken up and gotten to a different formation. There is one slight, you know, rule as far as if you're in a if you're in a kicking formation, like if you're kicking a field goal or kicking a punt, the same rules don't necessarily apply. I see as far as who can be on the line and who cannot. So I don't know exactly what the situation was there, but uh, I do remember seeing a picture of that where literally all the Michigan players are lined up in a row. But as far as illegal formation goes, uh, it's about
1: who's on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, I hope that our listener was satisfied with the the thoroughness of that answer. And as you said, it does transition to or into the next topic that we're going to discuss, ineligible receiver. So this came up in the, the Michigan-Purdue game, and it looked like there was, I guess, a bad call. It seemed like the commentators were either confused or upset by it, uh, that number 80 was an ineligible receiver. Michigan lost five yards on the call.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, this is an interesting concept. And so to explain what an, an ineligible or eligible receiver is, is uh, again, going back to the line of scrimmage, there's a rule in the college football r- rulebook that says numbers 50 50- through 79 are never eligible receivers now you'll notice that all of your offensive linemen the centers guards and tackles take a number from 50 to 79 so they are by rule ineligible receivers but then you can have like a tight end who's on the line of scrimmage and he can be an eligible receiver and we'll come back to the tight end thing but then anybody who has a different number other than that can be an eligible receiver downfield So when you look in the backfield, then your running backs can be receivers, can be receivers on the line or off the line, can be uh, eligible receivers. And what happened in this play is uh, number 80 was actually lined up in the backfield, which is not a normal thing necessarily to see the number 80 out there. Usually they're at the tight end position on the line of scrimmage. And so he is in the backfield, an eligible receiver, goes out, and passes the line of scrimmage, just kind of around the line of scrimmage, but quarterback then throws the ball to his running back, actually, and it's beyond the line of scrimmage. So a flag is thrown, and the ref calls uh, ineligible receiver downfield. Now, the reason the commentators were confused is they called the penalty on number 80. Uh-huh. Well, number 80 was an eligible receiver, and he wasn't really even downfield, and so it was pretty confusing. The the reason they were confused though is there actually was an ineligible receiver downfield, but they just called the wrong number uh, of the player.
1: Okay. And
0: so and but it's a little confusing too because when you look at it, normally, you would think the tight end is an eligible receiver. And here's kind of a little wrinkle in this that's important. The tight end can be eligible, and usually he lines up next to the tackle. Uh, and in this case, his number. Uh, was 83 which is probably why i got confused with 80 but when the ball snapped on this play if you go back and watch it it's like at the 9:34 mark in the fourth quarter in the michigan game the tight end just takes off down the field and then once the ball is thrown the flag comes out from the ref now the reason that's the case is at the very beginning of the play if you watch the wide receiver who's coming out and going to stand next to the tight end He looks at the ref and he extends his arm forward. Uh Now what what he's telling the referee is, I intend to be on the line of scrimmage. Now the problem with that is one of the ways that the defense can tell who is eligible and who's not is if the wide receiver lined up on the tight end side is on the line of scrimmage, the tight end is not an eligible receiver. So when the tight end takes off down the field as if he is an eligible receiver, the ball's thrown, that's a penalty. In order for the tight end to be eligible, the wide receiver would need to tell the referee, I'm not on the line of scrimmage and line up a yard behind the line of scrimmage. So it's a little confusing, but – what ended up happening is the ref made the right call. Uh-huh. There was an ineligible receiver downfield, which is why Michigan's sideline made no fuss about it. Okay, They just called the wrong number. Okay, It was 83 who was ineligible, but 80 was eligible. So it, it was definitely a confusing play. And if you continue to watch, the commentators eventually come back around um, and see it. So what I would encourage you to do it's a really great example of eligible and ineligible. Go watch that play again, the 934 mark in the fourth quarter, and you'll be able to see what's happening. But don't watch 80. Watch number 83, the tight end toward the bottom of the screen, and watch what
1: the wide receiver does. And I think that'll help you understand. Okay. Uh that's actually really good. And for those of you listening at home wondering how Mark was able to just cite it happening at 9:34 in the fourth quarter, he just he memorizes all of these things. He didn't even know I was going to yeah. ask about that. So, no idea.
0: No idea. It was just something that that's ingrained in me when I see a call like that, it just <laughs>
1: sit sit in my mind forever yeah all right so are you ready to review some of our week four games yes yes all right first up we have Oklahoma State uh, going against TCU Oklahoma State was a 10 and a half point favorite TCU ended up winning this game 44 to 31 so in the highlight reels TCU I thought Really look like the better team, and I really think they deserved to win. The stats look about the same. Uh, The real story seems to be that Oklahoma State couldn't really do much with their possessions, and the the possession, actually, clock was really lopsided. I think they only had the ball for about uh, a third of the game. And I was actually, frankly, kind of happy to see... Uh, TCU win this one. I I have a little bit of a soft spot for TCU and Baylor because that's actually where game day was when they announced that they were going to shut down the UAB program and all of the fans of the TCU and Baylor game chanted UAB 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 so I thought that was nice and so just for that reason I was happy to see them win here. Also I still have Oklahoma winning in that conference so uh, I need there to be chaos in the rest of it. <laughs> well, that's a great story. I love, I love the fact that you have a special place in your heart for Baylor and Oklahoma State. I, you know what? Actually, hang on. No, that's not awesome. Baylor and Oklahoma State. Baylor and TCU. Oh, sorry. Baylor TCU. But, sorry, I said it wrong. Pause. Pause. Hang on. Let me let me clarify. Baylor fans and TCU fans. You know, Baylor has had a little, a few rough years, uh, and for good reason. Um, but I'm to I'm gonna stick to their fans being nice people. What did you think of this game? Uh, I mean it, it was it was very, very interesting. and I
0: think the most interesting part about it is I don't think anybody expected Oklahoma State to be so one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew they were gonna th- try to throw the ball down the field mm-hmm. but it's literally all they tried to do. Yeah, like they just dropped back and not just throw not just pass the ball but like throw it way down the field. There were hardly ever any short routes, any cutoff routes, any screen passes, anything like that. And the problem with that is, especially when you're facing uh, a de- uh, a defensive-minded coach like Gary Patterson at TCU, he, the thing that he does is he says, okay, what's your best strength and how do you win football games? I'm going to try to take that away. And this is what he does. And he basically says, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us using the weakest thing that you have in, in your offense. Mm-hmm. And if, if you do it, then kudos to you. You, you took your weakness and you beat us. And Oklahoma State, so they took away the long pass. And if you watch the game, it was so crazy to watch because TCU would often rush only three guys. So three guys would be coming after the quarterback, except they weren't really going after the quarterback. They were just kind of standing there pretending like they were going at the quarterback. And they would drop eight guys to cover the pass. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma, Oklahoma State just never adjusted. They didn't do any underneath routes. they didn't do anything to really throw TCU off their defensive game. They just said, "You know what, screw you, we're going to do what we do, and we think that we're going to be better at throwing the ball than you are at defending it." And they just got destroyed. It was really It was very terrible football to watch, because yeah. they just never adjusted. yeah so it was so, an interesting game to, to watch in that sense, and o- Oklahoma State, if they don't adjust in the future, because people are just going to watch that and be like, okay, we'll do what TCU did. If they don't adjust in the future, they'll lose a couple more games. Uh, but there's no reason
1: that they can't adjust. So it was it was very
0: weird to watch that kind of unfold.
1: All right. Next up we have Georgia-Mississippi State. So <laughs> Georgia was expected to win by five. The final score was Georgia 31, Mississippi State 3. So, in looking at this game, it it seems to imply that there's this really steep talent slope in the SEC. Last week, Mississippi State dominates LSU, right? This week, Georgia dominates Mississippi State, uh, and I guess we'll see what happens with Georgia-Tennessee, but I don't don't really know what to think. I guess I'm less scared about the Mississippi State-Alabama matchup at this point, but what's your opinion?
0: I mean, it's interesting. I think one of the things that you saw this week, and, and this happened, I think, also in the Bama-Vanderbilt game, is both Mississippi State and Vanderbilt were coming off wins maybe that they shouldn't have gotten or that they weren't expected to get. Mississippi State coming off a a great win against LSU, 37-7, to and everybody was like, wow, maybe Mississippi State's like, maybe they're really legit. They might be really good. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think they started to buy into that. Mm-hmm. Georgia had a tough game against Notre Dame. And so Mississippi State goes on the road to Georgia a little cocky. Yeah. And, dude, Georgia came out. Right? I think it was their first offensive play, ran a flea flicker where you hand it off to the running back, then he tosses it back to the quarterback touchdown. And I think they were just shell-shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, they went down really quick, and then Georgia just put it on them. I think they walked in cocky uh, and got it handed to them. As I mentioned, Vanderbilt, I think Vanderbilt would have lost anyway, but maybe not like they did. But
1: Vanderbilt, same thing. They Wait, pause. Com- we'll come on, we'll come on handle that game in a second. Everything in its place, Mark. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Uh, Mississippi State was totally outplayed. The fact that they couldn't even get more than a single field goal uh, still seems a little bit surprising to me. But let's go elsewhere in the SEC. <laughs> we... <laughs> You know what? I I should pause here because for all of our fans out there, you should go back and listen to our previews of all of these games because I think we got pretty much all of them wrong. But this next one, Florida, uh, Kentucky we got the winner of the game right Florida did end up winning 28 to 27 (laughs) right so we actually made a big point talking about how the line was only Florida by two and a half and you know we (laughs) spec we were like do you think they're upset that they only got two and a half points over but they didn't even cover so honestly I I don't have a whole lot to say here I feel really bad for Kentucky. It was a really lame final touchdown by Florida. <laughs> that shouldn't have happened. I don't know that Kentucky knows how to be successful. I think they just can't handle it. They saw that they were about to win this football game, and th- they almost went to extra effort to make sure that that didn't happen.
0: I mean, I mean, I don't know. It was embarrassing. The whole thing's embarrassing. Florida Florida being down is just tough. It may, I think it makes it difficult to take the SEC as a whole. As seriously as we have, yeah. and you just you just can't. I mean, they should have lost to Kentucky. Yeah, they also should have lost to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I mean, two weeks in a row, kind of these fluke wins. Florida's just not that good, and it's 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 pretty sad to watch. Yeah.
1: Speaking of taking the SEC seriously, next game is the Alabama Vanderbilt game. Alabama came into this game an 18.5-point favorite. The final score was Alabama 59, Vanderbilt. I don't see a score here. Oh, wait, that's because they didn't have one. Eat it, Vandy. (laughs) 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 Anyway, um, I don't know. I didn't think this was a particularly exciting game. I mean, watching it as an Alabama fan, every time they scored, I, I was happy, but, you know... Uh, By the time they get to 59 points, it's like, okay, I've seen this uh, a half dozen other times. Did you get to watch any of this game?
0: Uh, I didn't, but I've seen uh, a lot of... uh, I mean, I've watched it after the fact. I didn't watch it live. Mm -hmm. I've seen a good bit of it, but um, yeah, I mean, this this was really an interesting game in terms of I don't think, looking back at the stat line, I don't think I've ever seen a more dominant stat line in my life, literally ever. I would be interested if our listeners could come up with a game where the the stats show it being so lopsided. I mean, obviously the score is 59 to nothing. But, I mean, when you look at score 59 to nothing, Mm -hmm. first downs, Alabama had 38 first downs to Vanderbilt's three. (laughs) (laughs) Alabama had 677 total yards. Vanderbilt had 78 total Uh yards. I mean, we almost outgained them by 600 yards, which is just absurd. Alabama rushed for 496 yards. Mm -hmm. And the only reason we didn't score another touchdown and didn't have 500 yards rushing is we got to the goal line and and Nick toward the end of the game. Nick Saban's like, no. Yeah, and you could see the players on the
1: sideline begging for it. coach, coach, (laughs) coach. We're almost at 500 yards. Come on, man, let
0: him run it in. And
1: Saban Saban was laughing. Yeah, he He was. was He's like,
0: dude, no. We're not going to do this. Nope. We're up 59 to nothing. That's just – it's on their home field. We can't do that. No. We it's bandy. Um, I'd say it's and, a classy move, but 59 to nothing. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the problem is, I mean, when you look at – I mean, 59 to nothing looks pretty bad, but if you look at who's scoring the touchdowns, it's all our backups. Like, they're yeah. running backs – that were out there scoring touchdowns who've never played in a game before. <laughs> you know, I mean like what else you you can't tell that guy who's never got playing time, hey, if you're about to go in the end zone, just fall down. <laughs> Dude you're telling that guy, and all the all the starters, I think one of the really cool parts of it was to watch the starters on the sideline really cheering for the other yeah. guys on the field. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I love that dynamic. And when Alabama teams have had that dynamic in the past, those are the teams that usually go on to win championships. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I love that dynamic. But the other thing is Vanderbilt, so they only gained 78 yards. They never crossed the 50-yard line on offense. They never got into Alabama territory. Um, so, I mean, the thing is, I think this is going to be a, an Alabama win anyway. Mm-hmm. But like I was saying, similar to uh, what Mississippi State was going through, Vandy really quickly got a pretty big head about who they are. I mean, they beat Kansas State. they were a ranked team, yeah. Uh ranked non-conference team. First time in forever that that's happened. <laughs> but when they –
1: they started talking trash to Alabama, like, Alabama, you're next. Yeah, you know, like, wait, but hang on a second. I, I, I know where you're going with this, because I've read the articles, and I'm going to take a little bit of an issue with it, uh, because, no, I, I, I heard them at uh, when they played and beat Kansas State, and I think some of the fans were chanting, we want Bama, and I saw, like, Jalen Hurts and... I don't know, a few of the other players saying that they felt like this was them being disrespectful when really all I got the impression Vandy was saying was they felt like they could compete against Alabama. I don't know that anyone was ever implying that they were better than Alabama. Of course, I mean, neither is true. Uh, clear, clearly they can't compete against Alabama. But, I, I mean, the team really did seem to uh, to respond as if they had been thoroughly disrespected. Yeah, I mean,
0: so <laughs> I
1: think... I think for the guys on Alabama's team, whether this is right or not,
0: or it's the right attitude or not, I think Vandy even saying, dude, we're going to compete with you, <laughs> no, it was it's... insulting to them. You know, like, it is are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you can't be serious. Okay, that's fine. We were going to just kind of, you know, not take you seriously, but now we'll take you seriously, and you'll see what happens when, when we do that. Yeah. And It was just it was brutal. Yeah, It was brutal. Um, I think, I mean, uh, the other storylines in this, I think Tua, uh, backup QB, looks great. He had like a very Johnny Manziel-esque sort of touchdown where he was spinning around the backfield yeah, and posed yeah. a deep pass. I My favorite running back, actually, for Alabama is Joshua Jacobs. He's been out with a hamstring. He was in there a little bit, and when he comes back, you'll see just how quick he is uh, in the open field and making people miss. So it was great to see him back. And like I said earlier, I love the camaraderie on the team, so... This is, a, this is a cool game. What I'm what, I, what what I i afraid of is we got Ole Miss coming up this week, mm-hmm. and I don't want us to get cocky. No. Because just because we're Alabama doesn't mean you're going to win, and Ole Miss has been actually the team to show us that. Every
1: year uh, for three years, right? So
0: uh, coming off of any game, a win like that, I hope they don't get too cocky. Uh, they still got to take your opponent seriously. So yeah.
1: anyway. That's the only worry I have coming out of the game. I agree. You know what? I feel a little bad because I think we missed an opportunity here. Last week we were soliciting uh, our listeners to uh, introduce us to, I don't know, just a really smug Vandy fan, and I, I don't know that they exist anymore. Um, there's probably plenty of smug Alabama fans. Uh, sometimes I, I feel like one of them. Uh, but to th- those people, I just remind them, this was Vanderbilt. This win was supposed to happen, so moving on. The last game we previewed last week was UAB North Texas. North Texas was an 11-point favorite. I texted you towards the end of this game. I was able to find this on some weird channel called in Sports, which I'd never heard of. But the final score was 46-43 North Texas. UAB very nearly sent this into overtime. I, I texted you because they tied it up 43-43 to with, like, less than... Thirty seconds left, but then in the last thirty seconds, North Texas got into field goal range and kicked a field goal. Game over. Um, but UAB covered the spread, uh, and I still think they're doing really, really well in the season. So I was happy with this. I'm, I'm sure you didn't have an opportunity to look at this, but I just covered it for you.
0: Yeah, the text exchange went like this: UAB ties it up to bring it into OT unless North Texas scores <laughs> in the last twenty-seven seconds. Dot, dot, dot. One minute later. Uh oh. Spoke too soon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was really sad for me as a uh, fan. So that,
0: that was exactly how the text exchange went. Was beautiful. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then
0: did. I texted back, wait, did North Texas score? And you just didn't answer. I,
1: I think I just like... went to bed. I was like, yeah. done. Yeah, it, it was heartbreaking. But they played really well, and they put up 43 points. So uh, I'm happy with awesome. it. Okay, there are a few games we didn't discuss, but I think we must review. First one is Oklahoma... Baylor. So Oklahoma number three, Baylor ON3. Uh Oklahoma was expected to win by twenty-eight points. I don't think this game should have been close. Baylor should not have been leading Oklahoma at any point. And it's funny because I tuned in this game when Baylor started leading, and then I watched and and then like afterwards I watched the highlight reel so I could see what I missed, and I thought Every time Baylor scores, there isn't an Oklahoma defender near them. So I said to myself, I think there might be an issue with Oklahoma's pass defense. And the stats are nuts. Baylor had 523... Uh, yards total, and 460 of them were through the air, so I felt like I I called that, uh, so I think I'm learning. It's probably not like in-depth analysis or anything, but I was pretty happy to get there on my own, just recognizing that (laughs) that that was the problem. Of course, I guess, you know, given those numbers, it was pretty obvious, but Baylor is still winless. Now they're 0-4, so actually, here's a fun quiz for you before you tell me about your opinions on this game. So... Baylor is now one of two power five teams without a win. Do you know who the other one is? Uh, It's probably Florida State, right? It is Florida State. So, Florida State falling to NC State over the weekend. So, I didn't write down the final of this game. What is it? 49-41, I think? Oklahoma? Something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, this... uh... I think this is just a a really good example of you have to take your opponent seriously every week. And if you don't, I mean, it's like you're still playing people who have scholarships to play football at big schools. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not going to play – if you play your hardest and play to a certain standard, then Oklahoma should beat Baylor by a ton. But if you play down to your competition, then that competition can then play up to you because you're playing down to them. And this is where – Jason the process is extremely important mm-hmm. process in college football right I mean Saban's whole thing is you don't play to the, co- the level of your competition you play to a certain standard you practice to a certain standard and all those sort of things and the significance of that is if you do that you don't have games like this where you almost lose to a team that you are certainly better than mm-hmm. there's more that talent size speed whatever um if you play football according to the process these sorts of games shouldn't happen you should beat teams say i don't know 59 to nothing <laughs> it's just a random number uh but th- this is a great example and alabama does it too you know you you take weeks off and you think you just got in the bag because the team's not that good sure. and this is the sort of thing that happens so it's a great example
1: of that yeah Okay, Uh, next up is a game I didn't actually get to watch, so I just watched the highlight reel of this one, but I was told it was the best game of the weekend, maybe the best game of the season. Penn State-Iowa. Penn State was expected to win by 13. Final score, Penn State 21, Iowa 19. Based on what I saw, it looked like a really entertaining college football game here. Uh, Penn State ended up winning with a walk-off touchdown as time expired kind of interesting I think going into the half the score was 7-5 to five, which feels more like a baseball score so there was a few block field goals there was a safety there was a whole lot of defense and then there was Saquon Barkley who is essentially I don't know like a human segue you can't knock him over maybe like a weeble like Weebles Wobble, right? I don't know. <laughs> he he deserves some sort of like superlative. I just can't think of what it is. Uh, and yeah. as of this week, apparently he's like the NFL's top prospect, whoever makes these determinations. Uh, and you can kind of see why, like o- over 200 yards, touchdown, and just some really fun, fun play. If you didn't catch this game, it's it's really worth going back to check out the highlight reel just to see some of the, the things he does.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, this uh, I caught the very end of this game and it was very exciting. And uh, playing at Iowa at night, I mean, the crowd's great. So it was a really exciting atmosphere. But, I mean, yeah, the thing that sticks out is uh, Penn State doesn't have a chance if Saquon Barkley doesn't do what he does. Mm-hmm. And there, there were plays where the Iowa defense had him in the backfield, and somehow he just gets away from guys. He's yeah. got quickness, but he's also – you could just see he's strong. Yeah. He's powerful. So he would get hit at the line of scrimmage and then fall two to three yards forward every single time and you can see like I I had not been able to actually watch him that much Mm -hmm. and just watching him toward the end of the game where he should be tired he could be worn down he's been carrying the team and he just could not be stopped it was the most impressive thing that I've seen easily all season but one of the most uh, impressive uh, displays in running back I've seen in quite some time so Saquon Barkley is a real deal and yet, with that performance, Penn State still needs a last-second touchdown. That was actually a passing touchdown mm-hmm. uh, to win it. And so, uh, Penn State's interesting, but Saquon Barkley
1: is—he's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I agree. So, give me in the the Big Ten your your top three. Mm-hmm. The
0: Big Ten, oh, the Big Ten is difficult. I mean, I think Ohio State's probably still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Probably Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Okay, not Michigan.
1: No, I don't think Michigan just doesn't look good. They haven't done anything that looks good, and that surprises me because I I wouldn't have thought that would have been the case. Yeah. Okay. I I think I agree with you. I think that that would be my top three as well. Uh, last game we didn't talk about, but we can just mention here. I get, Nah, maybe not. Mm, okay, fine. Auburn fans, this is for you. Auburn played Missouri. Uh, final score was fifty-one to fourteen. Uh, I wrote in my notes Auburn makes Missouri look like Missouri. So that's good for them. I wrote in my notes,
0: Auburn's terrible, Missouri's terribler. (laughs) Good
1: good job to both teams. Thank you. Um, All right, let's talk about this weekend, some week five previews. So we got uh, six things we're going to talk a little bit about, and then we'll do a couple quick picks. The first game we'll talk about, just do a back-to-back here, Auburn. The Auburn game is against Mississippi State. So Auburn expected to win by nine. I think Auburn covers 30-14 to maybe. I have no idea. I don't know what to expect out of Mississippi State.
0: So you're really buying Auburn. See, I'm still not sold on Auburn. Now, every week that I've said that, the team that I'm not sold on comes out and obliterates somebody. You know, like, I'm not sold on Clemson. Well, we'll destroy Louisville. How about that? Uh, okay, I guess I'm sold on Clemson now. So I mean, I'm still not sold on Auburn. Now, I do think that Auburn will get better uh, with both Cameron Petway and on Johnson. They're kind of running back to both healthy now. Mm-hmm. But I also think – here's what I think. I think Mississippi State had a wake-up call against Georgia. Yeah. Now, the thing is, that's Georgia's in the east. Mississippi State's in the west. Now, if Mississippi State still runs the table – against SEC West opponents, then they still have something to play for. I think it was a good wake-up call for them. I just haven't seen anything from Auburn where I'm like, wow, that's really good. They beat Missouri. Who cares?
1: I'm going to take Mississippi State winning. Really? Okay. 20,
0: 24 to 23.
1: Okay. It's likely to happen. So I I was really hot at the, the start of the season with my picks. <clears throat> um, it's gone downhill, and I'm convinced it's because – I am. I'm suffering a little bit of that uh, that Vanderbilt thing where I I have some early success and I get <laughs> cocky and then everything else just uh, manages to convince me that uh, I was never really that good to begin with. So yeah. All right. But we'll see. I I still have a healthy lead on you. Uh. Next oh, yeah. up, Alabama, Ole Miss. Alabama's expected to win this game by twenty eight. I don't think they I don't think they cover that because like we said earlier, you know, uh three years ago Ole Miss wins, two years ago Ole Miss wins. Last year they very nearly won. I I had to stop watching the game, and then I just caught the updates and I was like, okay, it seems to be going more in Alabama's favor when I stop watching. I think Alabama's still a much better team than Ole Miss. Uh Ole Miss is basically a dumpster with a frowny face Painted on it, um, so I think maybe forty two twenty.
0: Holy cow! That was an amazing analogy. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Here's here's the thing. All right, so I mentioned earlier, I, I, it's always a concern with uh, you know college guys who are good at what they do, and everybody tells me they're like, great. Come off fifty nine nothing win. There's always a chance for a letdown, and you don't play up to what you can. Now, here's the difference, though, right? And, and still, I mean, they still just might not get up for the game. But it's Ole Miss, right? Yeah. They've like the the guys who are on the team right now. They've lost to Ole Miss more than they've beaten them. Mm-hmm. If you can't get your mindset and right for this game to play Ole Miss and to uh, play to the standard that you can play, then I there's just something wrong. And so I, what I hope is what I, not what I what I think is Alabama's going to be in the right mindset. They're gonna come out and they're just gonna obliterate all Miss, I think. So while I think the line of Alabama by twenty-eight is just kind of absurd, I just don't. I, you just shouldn't say that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's insulting. I think Alabama covers. I really? think they win. I think they win forty-four to ten.
1: Okay, all right, interesting. I hope that's the case. Um, next up, LSU is playing Troy. So I put this one on here for two reasons. First of all. Troy is an Alabama school, so we have uh, an in, an interest in them. Uh, but also because I'm not convinced LSU runs away with this like the line suggests. 21 points is a lot of points. I'm going to say LSU, if they can get to 31, then 31-14. Wow.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going to go LSU 38-10. And here's the, I mean, the reasoning, I think, behind that is 21 points sounds like a lot, but here's what's going to happen. I think Troy will keep it close. Troy's a pretty good football team. Mm-hmm. But toward the end of the game, you just they're not going to be able to hang with sure the physicality of LSU. And so the points, it's going to be close, and then the points are going to pile up at the end. I got LSU 38-10. Uh, I, say, I say they cover.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep our eye on that one. Next up, Clemson, Virginia Tech. Clemson expected to win by 7.5. I think Clemson beats the spread here. Heck, I don't know. Clemson 42. Virginia Tech... Twenty, how about that?
0: Oh, that's a big, that's a big one. I got Clemson thirty-five twenty-four. I think Virginia Tech is is a solid football team, and hopefully Clemson takes it seriously. You know, it's uh, I think Clemson showed their talent. Like they got up for that Louisville game; they were prepped for it. They're ready to go. If they're ready to go, they'll win this game. If they're not, if they're a little sleepy, Virginia Tech could could give them a game, and and maybe even pull out the win. But man, I I I think Clemson might be the best team in the country. I, I think they win. Dabo's got a pretty good thing going out there. Mm-hmm. And so I'll take Clemson, 35-24. Okay.
1: Next up, USC, Washington State. So USC is expected to win by four. I'm i I'm going to be extremely bold with this pick. Go for it. I'm going to say Washington State wins, 35-31. I like that, I like
0: that a lot. I like that pick a lot. Look, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to say, uh, I mean, I've got USC winning 28-27. Mm-hmm is USC. I mean, they have a lot of talent, but Sam Darnold's like, you know what, I think I'll throw it in a triple coverage just to see what happens this time. And he does it all the time. It's like, dude, you gotta chill out, you gotta throw it to the open guy, or just check down or something. So, you know, there's big plays there, and then there's big mistakes that happen because of that. So I think it's gonna be a close game. I think a Mike Leach coached team mm-hmm. is uh, just—it's just a wild card, man. That guy's nuts. And so I think it's gonna be a really exciting game. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be a lot of swings, a momentum, a lot of crazy plays. But I'll take USC
1: by one. Okay. All right. What have? Go Cougs. Let's see. Uh, Georgia's playing Tennessee. Georgia's now ranked seven. Georgia expected to win by seven and a half. I don't think they cover this. I'm gonna say that oh, jeez, am I gonna say this? Good to it I'm gonna say twenty eight twenty four Georgia I mean it's it's not
0: a bad pick, you know, I think uh I mean the, really the wild card here is who is gonna show up for Tennessee and what are they gonna do? you know I mean, it seems like they can keep games close um and maybe pull out close wins, but they just make pretty terrible mistakes sometimes. And I think Georgia is a team that'll take advantage of those mistakes and make them pay for it in a bigger way than, say, a Florida did or uh, even even Georgia Tech didn't, just didn't take advantage of the lead that they had. I mean, Florida barely won, but they, they could have won by a lot more given the mistakes that Tennessee made. I think Georgia's a better football team than that. I think they're more solid. They'll capitalize on the mistakes. So I think Georgia covers. I got Georgia
1: 34-17. All righty. How, how about this? So, Before we get into our quick picks, we are recording this on Thursday night. It is almost 8 p.m. Eastern Time, which is when there's a game of college football starting it's texas iowa state so we don't know what the outcome of this game is going to be but by the time you guys listen to this you will know uh so you'll know whether or not we're right which i thought would be a really fun thing for us to do um so texas iowa state uh, how do you see this game turning out
0: yeah i got texas by three
1: i'm gonna say iowa state wins it why not by by twelve Nice, I like that. I don't know why not. (laughs) All right. right, So let's do our quick picks. FSU, Wake Forest. FSU is seven and a half point favorite. Yeah, I
0: mean, I think you know the with Florida State and Miami uh, and maybe even Florida as well. Just the I think the hurricane stuff really does affect uh, the football team. The because it's not just about. I mean, they have the talent to beat a ton of teams but the, the emotional toll, the physical toll, the being displaced for practice, just like your whole rhythm is 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 off. And for an athlete, it's all about preparation. It's all about those things. You're worried about families. You're, you're worried about so many things other than football. And I think you saw that like have an effect on uh, the Florida State-NC State, uh, NC State yeah. game. I mean My, Miami struggled with Toledo for a while. Florida is is struggling in every game that they play and it's not just about the players it's not just about the coach it's not just about people being suspended the hurricane really does uh have a have an effect i think in that way uh when you think about what you're asking them to do week in week out on top of everything that's going on it's so much bigger so much more important mm-hmm. um and so i think it's going to be a tough season for them i do think however uh this week and so i'm going to be cheering for these teams you know especially florida state and miami the rest of the season to have a good season mm-hmm. and uh, show up and be respectable but um, I think against Wake us. I think they'll cover uh, and I think they'll win so I'll take Florida State covers Yeah,
1: I, I say so too. I really want them to get their first win here so I say 21-10 Florida State Alright, uh, Miami is playing Duke. Uh, I'm going to say Miami covers uh, The they're expected to win by 6.5 points so I'm going to say Miami 30-19 to 19.
0: I'll say Miami covers, and I'm actually really close to Duke right now. I could, uh, and uh, I know some folks over there. I could actually get into the game over there. So could you sabotage tomorrow.
1: them so that I really get this pick right?
0: <laughs> it's tomorrow night. I could do my best. Yeah, you know, I could yell things from the stands. Yeah. yeah, and I bet I might, I might, I might be the only one there. Yeah. Given it's at Duke, so sure, sure. I remember I went. We went to. Uh, we lived in North Carolina, and Alabama was number one at the time, and you know it was the. Greg McElroy, Mark Ingram kind of era, yeah. and uh, Alabama played Duke. And we got to the st- we got to the campus, and we couldn't find the stadium, <laughs> even though they were, Duke was playing the number one team in the country.
1: So, I mean, this
0: game, you know, I might be the only person there if I showed up. Yeah, all right. But I think
1: uh, –
0: so I could affect the game is what I'm trying to tell you.
1: Definitely. Yelling from the stands uh, is – yeah, if you're the only uh, one there, I think so.
0: Oh, yeah. What I say really affects everything mm-hmm. that they do. And, uh, yeah, I got Miami cover.
1: Okay, great. South Carolina, Texas A&M. Texas A&M is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. I think I want South Carolina to win this one outright. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know
0: what I want to happen in this game. It's – who did South Carolina barely beat
1: this past week? No idea. Let me look. Somebody terrible. They won 17 to 16. I know, but at the beginning of the season, everybody was exciting. They are like, is South Carolina going to be good this year? Which is really the sort of thing you say at the beginning of the season because you, know you won't <laughs> be able to later. <laughs> so, I think – I mean, I'm going to take Texas A&M. I mean, that, sound, that feels terrible. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, my, my whole Kevin Sumlin thing, it just feels terrible. Um.
1: But I think Texas a and going to win. This is a weird game. You're right. You're right. Uh, South Carolina beat Louisiana Tech 17-16. to 16, So Right. Yeah, this <laughs> this is tough. a terrible pick. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Texas A&M pulled one off against Arkansas in overtime. So.
0: Right. And, it's, and it's not like – I mean, Texas A&M blew it against UCLA. They didn't look great against, you know, Nichols State. <laughs> right. And then they barely pulled one against Arkansas. I mean, this game is just a – Who's going to be worse? Yeah. game?
1: All right. Well, I'm counting on it being Texas A&M. All right. Next up is Florida going against Vandy. Florida actually has a a, a ten point uh, spread on this one. I, I think they win, but not by ten. I don't know. I
0: I I think Florida wins this by a ton. Really? So in college football, especially, momentum swings and like emotional states pretty important. Mm-hmm. Alabama completely destroyed Vandy's will to ever play football again. (laughs) Completely embarrassed them. And now they got to get up and play Florida the week after that. Florida's coming off a huge win. They're riding a high. Vandy's riding a low. I mean, especially if – I think Florida's going to win this pretty big, especially if the beginning of the game, if Florida comes out and, like, scores a quick touchdown or something – I just think it's going to be so deflating for Vandy. It's like, we were on top of the world, we want Bama, we're SEC football, and then you just get shellacked 59 to nothing, and now Florida's running all over you. (laughs) It's just going to be hard for them to get up for this game.
1: I can see that. All right. I just Florida hasn't had any impressive wins, and I'm not sure that they really have it in them. But I
0: I will say this. If Florida cannot win this game by a decent margin, then
1: they really are – In really big trouble. Yeah, and I'm just going to believe that that is the case. So uh, that's all of the games we want to review. Preview, Mark. You got anything else? Any other games you want? Something else, man. Okay. Um, So let's just wrap up here. You can find us on iTunes. Please rate and review us. And for those of you who have stuck around, we have a new phrase you can tweet at us this week. It is fried okra. And if you tweet that at us, I will send you a topless picture of my cat. So, just a reminder, uh, the phrases that we give you to tweet at us, uh, they're good all season long. Only one per fan, please. Uh, And by that I mean you can use each of them once. But the first week we gave you a word to tweet at us uh, to get a nickname, Uh, we can't give you multiple nicknames because... You know, a nickname will be with you for life. So in that vein, actually, we want to congratulate one of our fans, uh, Philsbury Doughboy. Uh, he just had his first baby. He's a new father. So congratulations, Philsbury Doughboy. Yeah, man, congrats. That's awesome. All right. If you want to get an awesome nickname like Fillsbury Doughboy, um, Lucky Numbers, Fortunes, or A Topless Picture of My Cat, um, just tweet any of those words at us. Go back and listen to all those podcasts. Uh, They are available. Um, And as I said earlier, rate and review us. One more thing, a number of you contacted me to let me know that there was about 10 or 15 seconds of dead air in our last podcast. Okay, now cool it. That was deliberate. That was to give you time to rate and review us. It takes about 10 to 15 (laughs) seconds to select five stars. Okay, so you are welcome. I'm not giving you that privilege this week. You're just going to have to find uh, your own time to do that, um, which I hope you do. So, uh, that's it for me. I hope you have a good week, Mark.
0: you too, Jason, and I'll see you on the flip side. I think I'm going to catch up to you a little bit this week. I got some good picks, so uh, I will be boasting next week, I'm pretty sure. All right, Uh, that's it for us. Have a good one.